This is episode number 190 with Niyi Sobo. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. And each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. I don't know what it is, but I am feeling it today. The new year has started. My team here in my financial planning practice is crushing it. I just signed up five new private coaching clients last week, and I've thoroughly enjoyed getting the comments that I'm receiving from you guys by email and other forms of social media, telling me how your year is going and how you're on top of things. Guys, for a lot of this, it's just a mindset issue, right? It's thinking in the right way. It's believing in the right way. But guys, the brain will help you as long as you train it. If you don't train the brain, it's scumbag brain. It's there simply to help you conserve energy and survive, and it will take the path of least resistance. Many times, you can translate that as the lazy way. But if we train the brain, if we connect new neuronal pathways, if we connect new circuits in the brain, new pathways in the brain to help it think and train and grow, then we're going to be better off. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be tougher. And that's a lot about what you're going to hear today from my guest, Niyi Sobo. I was so excited to get this podcast out. So I'm going to hit the sponsor information really quickly because I can't wait to dive into this one today. I wanted to let you guys know that my book, From Success to Significance, the ultimate vision strategy manual that includes the six vision building exercises for creating your ultimate strategy for 2018, the five building blocks for creating a bigger vision, we're giving away for free, guys. Well, you just have to cover the shipping if you're in the United States. The reviews on this have been awesome. The comments have been awesome. I'm so fulfilled by what I've heard from you guys and how it's changing your year. And my team and I wanted to make this super easy for you by offering it for just the shipping cost in the United States. Here's how you do it. Head to success101podcast.com forward slash book and at checkout, be sure to enter the code success101. If you're in the United States, you can grab the paperback version for just the shipping cost. And if you're not in the United States, for those of you listening in all over the world, grab the ebook reader for about the same cost at success101podcast.com forward slash book and enter success101 in the checkout section for the paperback or grab the ebook reader outside the United States. And I can't wait to hear from you guys who haven't gone through this to tell me about how it's transforming your year. This show today is brought to you by Ample. I can't stop talking about this brain and body peak performance stack in a meal replacement form. The good people over at Ample have created the ultimate meal replacement drink. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, another meal replacement drink. I've mentioned it many times before that I can't stop talking about this drink. And it's because the ingredients alone are ingredients that you can't find at your local market on Amazon, Whole Foods, Central Market, anywhere you go out there. They're from all over the world. And even if you found those ingredients, you would have to source them in the specific formula that the good people at Ample, including Connor Young, have put together to bring this to the market. Plus, you'd have to sit there and blend and mix and chop and clean up. No thanks. Give me my 400 or 600 calorie bottle and I'll be on my way out the door each morning. Ample has been a game changer for both my brain and body. It's soy-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, 
no artificial flavors, no added sugar, and it's got amazing ingredients such as prebiotics, healthy, high-quality fats, limited but high-source carbohydrates with a very low glycemic impact. That means these things burn clean in your body, guys. And you know what? I could go on and on. Just go to their website, or better yet, head to success101podcast.com forward slash ample. That's A-M-P-L-E. Snag your 400 or 600 calorie shake by entering success101 in the checkout code. You're going to get 15% off this goodness in the bottle that's going to help you rock and roll all day long. The comments that have come in about how Ample's changing people's mornings has been awesome. They're pounding less caffeine. They're taking less energy boosters. They're doing it the natural way. And Ample is there to thank for it. Now, on to our amazing show with my good friend, Niyi Sobo. I told you I was excited to bring this one to you, and that's an understatement. Niyi is a sports motivation coach and founder of I'mNotYou.com, which is a resource that helps high-performing athletes adopt the dominant mindset needed to achieve their biggest goals in sports and, more importantly, in life. He's an ex-firefighter, a former NFL running back, He's got two podcasts going. I don't know how the guy keeps up with things. Plus, he's got an awesome wife and five awesome kids. This dude rocks it and does it in a way where he is in control of his goals and his vision and exactly where he wants to go. I loved our interview today as Nee shared his story about being a walk-on football player in college, making it to the NFL, playing right alongside greats like Drew Brees and Reggie Bush. But then more importantly, his climb back after the NFL when he had to make a major life reset, what that was like for him mentally and how he uses that to plow forward today for number one, his family, and number two, his own life as he works with clients in his business, creating for them a bigger vision and helping them understand how they can become so much more. You guys are going to love this today, and I couldn't wait to bring it to you. So without any further delay, let's jump right into my conversation with the one and only Niyi Sobo. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. As always, this is your host, Jared Warren, and I'm so fired up, as I mentioned, to have my guest Niyi Sobo here on the show. Niyi, how's it going, buddy? It's going great, man. It's good to be on. Man, I'm fired up to have you here today because your message is one that maybe on the outset people think they hear a lot about each day, whether it's determination or hard work or overcoming the odds. But I know from what I know about you, you really live it. I mean, this is something that you believe in. You and I would both probably admit there are a lot of high performance type people, unfortunately, out there who don't really live the message that they try to send, whether that's a front or whatever. I know you live it. I know you've got an incredible backstory. I'm so excited to bring your message of authenticity to the listeners today. I know you were a walk-on football player in school, and you came actually from a big soccer background family. Give us your history on that, how you transitioned from there to later on the NFL, and we're going to get into a ton of great things here today with you. Absolutely, man. So uh, I'm I'm from the Northwest, grew up in Portland, third of four boys. My pops was from Nigeria. He came here when he was 18. And like you said, I grew up in a soccer family and I decided about seventh grade uh, that I wanted to play football. Um, I was a little chunkier younger, uh, as a youngster and I just hated running. Uh, so I decided to play football and I fell in love with it. And it was when you it's funny when you when you find sort of like that thing that you really love. I felt like I was really lucky to find that at seventh grade. And I can't honestly say that I didn't look at it in that way. Then I was just really, really in love with it. I love playing um, and I love to get better. Um, and so I just, I, I just got better and better. 
um, as it went on. And in high school, my dad put me in a private school. And I was really, really upset about that because I was really excited about going to this particular high school with all of my friends from middle school. Um, and he put, and he told me in the middle of that summer that I was going to this private school and the private school didn't have football. And I, I begged my dad, I said, please, if you're going to make me go to the school, please let me play football. Um, and he said, all right, if you can figure out a way. And so uh, the my local high school said that I can play there uh, just as long as obviously I get to practice each day. But it happened to be an hour and a half away from the private school that I was going to uh, on the bus. And so I had to catch the bus after school every day to play football. Um, but it was something that I loved. And ultimately, I was able to walk on at Oregon State after I was done playing football in high school. And uh, it was there that, I mean, it was an awesome experience. I was playing Pac-10. It's Pac-12 now, but Pac-10 football. And many people would have told me, like, just be okay with that. You know, like, just go to, being a walk-on is cool. You get to, I still got to travel. You know, you get to be on the team. But that wasn't enough for me. I really wanted to be, play in the NFL. And I knew that I could do that. And uh, so I decided to transfer and I actually had my first kid when I was in college as well. So I was 19 when I had my first son and I was like, yo, I got to get a scholarship, man. And they kept kind of dragging it along. And so I decided to transfer to Portland State. I just sent out an email to some coaches and Portland State um, hit me back and I had a scholarship. Um, And when I was there, even still, it didn't I really wasn't getting the playing time that I wanted. Things weren't really working out for me. But it was my senior year when the guy in front of me who was an All-American, he got hurt. And uh, I stepped up and I was ready. Uh, I was very prepared. And I had a breakout season. Um, and things were looking up for me. I had an All-American season there in my senior year. But uh, ultimately, I ended up injuring myself uh, or I busted up my wrist uh, and was not able to do all the things in the pro day, which is like the basically the tryouts for the NFL and a lot of people told me, man, at that point, dude, you probably should just quit, man. At that point, I have two sons. Um, and it's like, yo, what am I going to do once I'm done with football? But I really wasn't trying to give that up, man. I really wasn't trying to give that dream up. And so I just put all my chips in the table and just went all in. And I performed really well at the pro day, despite the fact that I had a wrist or a cast on my wrist for the last three months. And um, I got picked up by the New Orleans Saints. And I was able to play there for two years um, before my career got ultimately got cut short due to injury. Talk to me, Nee, about that day whenever you, you know, you're a walk-on at Oregon State. So obviously, let's just face it, people that are getting scholarships out there, they caught the eye of somebody. You hadn't done that yet. So you had to go be a walk-on, which is incredibly hard. I don't care what school you're in. Right. Because not only do you have to prove you have to make it, but you've got to catch enough eyes and then have the honor of walking on and then make it to the pros after getting to even play football, after riding on the bus an hour and a half each day, I just love that dedication, that determination. Talk to me, though, about the day you finally got into the NFL. What was that like? I mean, the emotions have to be crazy for you and your family. Absolutely, man. I still remember when I got uh, – so I, I was actually thinking that I would, might get drafted. So I was. it was a possibility that I would get drafted, you know, late, uh, late round, sixth or seventh round. And it was, I was at, at the house uh, with my family. They were actually in town. And um, I remember getting a phone call from the New Orleans Saints, which was a team that wasn't, I didn't really get a lot of, uh, I didn't really hear a lot from them uh, before that. There was actually some other teams like the Seahawks, the, the Packers, and, and the, uh, the Patriots that were calling me a lot and things. And they told me that if I was around, that they were pick me up in the seventh round. Um, and I was like, hold on, what? Like, <laughs> uh, and, and then, I actually didn't get picked up in the seventh round, but they called me right after and told me that I was picked up as a free agent. And I remember it was like this really surreal feeling. I, I didn't really 
it didn't really quite register, quite frankly. And I was, I'm a, I'm a guy who, who dreams big, but I'm pretty rooted in reality. Like, and I knew that, you know, even being picked up, even in being picked up in the seventh round or a rookie free agent doesn't guarantee anything. So the part that really, really sunk in for me was when I traveled there um, and I suited up and I saw my helmet, <laughs> I saw my jersey with my last name on the back. Wow. Like I'm actually really on the team, but even still, you're on the team, but you see guys, I see guys get cut every single day and you're, you're, you're what you call a camp body, mean, meaning you're just a guy who's filling in for the starters. And we know that 30 to 40 guys get cut in camp, right? And so even still, there's like this uncertainty there. And you know that your dream could be snatched from you at any moment. Um, and this is a very, very harsh reality, especially in the NFL, where like you don't even get paid until you, until you start playing. And so... Um, what was cool, though, is I, I actually got the chance. I made the team uh, my rookie year um, as a as a uh, practice player. Right. And so you actually there's six pl- practice players. But I ultimately started my first game in the NFL after week four uh, when the guy in front of me got hurt and I was called up and running out of this, the 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 the, um, the stadium. You know, they call in my name, cheerleaders with the pom poms. It was literally a vision that I had I visualized in vivid detail. Um, up until then. And that was, that remains one of the highlights of my life. And not just because of, you know, playing in the NFL, but it was, it was, it represents something that I really, really wanted and something that I worked really, really hard for, something that I overcame a lot of obstacles to achieve. Um, and I got it, you know, and it was, it was just as good as I imagined. Um, and it's again, a memory that I, that I hold very, very dear to me. Man, that's amazing. And your story, just from what I'm picking up on, I try to always read between the lines and your story has so much between the lines. I'm hearing a lot of patience, though. You've got a lot of patience for learning the game of football from a soccer family, riding the bus for an hour and a half when your dad moves you to a different school. Then you've got the patience of enduring the injury and still having to perform at the NFL Pro Day and all those sort of things. And then all of a sudden, it's sitting through all of those names being read to the seventh round. I mean, that must have been just killing you. And then you got guys like Drew Brees and Reggie Bush. So that's got to be an incredible feeling for you after all you've come through. Absolutely, man. I, I can still remember when I uh, being in the meeting and I, I wasn't starstruck by a ton of guys, honestly, because um, we're still kind of similar in age. You know, like see guys like Reggie Bush. I actually played against him when I was at Oregon State. But it was Deuce McAllister who, who when I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, like I played with this dude in Madden for like, I don't know how long uh, he was a legend to me. And then, of course, being able to play with him and block for him, that was like really, really cool. Tell me a little bit about, you know, I asked you about how you felt getting in the NFL. How do you feel, though, on the other side of the coin when things finally ended? Because I know a lot of guys out there who have exited the NFL and after working your tail off, you finally have to exit. That career ending injury comes on and you find yourself out. I know a lot of those guys, they go broke or they go bankrupt. You just hear these stories that are just devastating. Tell me about that time when you realized you had to move on, you had to restart. What's going on in your mind at that time? Yeah, man, it was tough because what I didn't mention is that so my second year in the NFL, um, I got released in the middle of the season that the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl. So I don't know if you guys remember when the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl. So I remember watching back home and I didn't get a ring. I remember watching the, the game back home and watching all these guys that I practiced with, sweated with, went through all this stuff with. And watching them hold up the trophy, um, get those rings, that was really, really tough. I mean, it was like actually one of those awkward experiences for me. Um, I could have cried. I didn't. But it was really, really awkward. It was very uncomfortable. And there was a lot of emotions around there. 
And I spent about, um, I actually continued to try to get back in the league for about, I think it was about six to eight months that I had some teams that were interested. I went to a few tryouts, um, did another pro day um, as well, like the following year. Um, and I just decided to, to give it up after that. I can't say it was a moment really, but there was about two years post football where I was just really, really struggling, man. Like, and I, I didn't really, I wasn't as aware as I am now. So I, I couldn't really articulate it at the time what was going on. I, I couldn't, I wouldn't have said that I was depressed, but I imagine that that's what depression is with you, the way that I'm feeling. Um, it was like just this, this, I couldn't watch football. I didn't want to watch it. Um, I was very, very unsure of what I wanted to do next. Lack of clarity, um, just just low confidence, uh, just kind of wandering, drifting. Um, and that was really, really tough. But ultimately, I feel like it was a good period of time for me because that was what preceded this next um, evolution. Because I really feel like my story is a story of evolution and just growth um, and flexibility and, be, and staying nimble um, because that was when I started to get back in the game of football um, to, in coaching, right? And so I, I decided to start coaching at a local high school. Um, and I realized that these young kids needed a lot more than what they were getting. And I realized that I can help them do that. And so that's when I started coaching. Um, and that's when I started realizing the importance of mindset as opposed to just to focus on the physical, you know, tools that you need in order to succeed. The, 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 the things that everyone, that the flashy things, the sexy things that everyone goes after, you know, the workout routines and all this type of things. I was like, man, people need to know how to think. People need to know how to build a more dominant mindset because too many of these athletes work out really hard, but they don't see results. And at the end of the day, us as athletes, as high performers, people who value success, it's about getting the result. We want the result um, and we can't forget that. Um, and I was just realizing that guys didn't know how to do that. And so that's when I started putting my focus and energy on teaching these athletes how to think systematically in order to get their results. Uh, and that's sort of how, to, how it all sort of evolved. Now I hear from a lot of athletes, whether it's someone training for a marathon or training for an Ironman, and then they build up this massive thing and then suddenly it's over. Or even in business, you build up this massive company because we're geared to look for what's next. You make it to that highest pinnacle and then suddenly it's over. You're selling the business or you're done with the race and you're looking around and going, man, what is next? So you've got to have a strong mindset to be able to reset from that. And many times there's not many people there to teach you how to go to that next step. And honestly, I didn't know that about you, not getting the ring, having to watch those guys play the Super Bowl. How did you really reset? How did you gear it for that next chapter of life? How did you move on without getting super down on yourself after all of that? Right. So I can't say that I did that successfully always because I did get super down on myself. Um, I, I was very unclear about what I wanted to do next. But the things that helped me were this. Number one is facing reality. So. At some point, I had to say, and this was about two, two and a half years afterward, I had to realize that the dream was indeed over. <laughs> like, it's over. Like, so football is done. Um, that's not going to be a part of your future. So facing that reality and looking at my current circumstances in a way that said, yo, I actually don't really like a lot of areas of my life. I don't like my money situation. I don't like how I feel about myself. I don't like my career. I don't know what I'm going to do with my career. I'm not satisfied with my relationships. I don't like my current standards. And a lot of times people run from that reality uh, because it hurts. It, it hurts to actually look at yourself and realize this is not what I want. This is not at the level that I want. Um, so understanding and coming to grips with that reality was something that when I did, I, it was it was beneficial. When I did not do that uh, is when I struggled. Um, and then, of course, after that, it's having people 
to guide me. Uh, I met one of my mentors a couple years after in the league, and that was when my life really started to change legitimately um, because he started introducing me to books, started uh, introducing me to different concepts that I did, had no idea about. Um, and maybe the seeds were been planted earlier, but he he reintroduced them in a way that made a lot of sense to me. Just this idea that you can become anything that you want to become, uh, that you have greatness inside of you, that there are things that you need to be able, that there are gifts that you have that people need um, that the world is waiting for. And so having coming face to face with those realities, having uh, mentors around you, people that will guide you and push you. It also helped that my wife was another person who was very encouraging to me. She didn't hold me back. She didn't say, no, play it safe. She was someone who pushed me and urged me in the direction that I wanted to go. But ultimately, it was not a smooth transition. It was not. Another thing that I would say is for people who are in that uh, transition mode is start where you're at. Like some people say like, oh, I don't know what it is that I want to create. I don't, I don't know how to create that vision yet, right? Well, create some sort of vision, create some sort of inkling of a vision, just something that's going to move you away from the current circumstances you're in right now towards in the direction of where you want to go. Let's say I'm on the West Coast and I want to go to the East Coast, but I have no idea what city. Well, I know that I need to head east, right? So it would help for me just to go somewhere moving in the direction of east as opposed to saying, I don't know exactly where I want to go yet, so I'm going to stay put. So get some sort of idea about where you wanted. And that was what happened with me. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I said, you know what? I want to stay around football, so I'm going to start coaching. And I didn't know what was going to happen with it, but it's funny. Just those few relationships I developed with a few of the kids on there, that's what sparked me to start doing physical training started working athletes out. And then I said, you know what? I don't want to do physical training anymore. I realize these guys need the mindset portion. And so I I still had no model. I was like, I don't, there's not too many people doing this. There's not a lot of mindset coaches out there teaching athletes how to build a more dominant mindset. But I said, you know what? Let me start where I am right now. So I, I would take a few athletes that I was training and I would take them in the back and start teaching them these little small little, little lessons, just mindset shifts, started showing them how to practically do these things that I knew how to do that, you know, felt sort of simple to me or or no brainers to me, but other people didn't quite know how to do that. And I started doing that, of course, then it evolved. And now here I am, you know, I just quit my job last year as a fire. I became a firefighter after I I was done playing football as well. And I quit my job last year to do what I'm doing now full time. Multiple six figures I've been able to create in just two or three years from this business, all from a business that I had no idea how to create. And I'm still learning, still evolving. But it's because I started where I was at. And I kept evolving. The name of the game is evolution. You must move forward. It's the, the, the number one law of nature is evolve or die. If you're not growing, if you're not evolving, if you're not expanding, you're dead. So it, this whole concept of, you know, uh, success as in it's this event, this, this thing that's out there that once we get it, everything's awesome. That's not how it works. Like you're going to be, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of highs and a lot of lows, uh, quite frankly, a lot more lows than highs. You know what I mean? A lot of That's how people get depressed. That's how people get over anxiety about the future and things like that. You want to focus on this vision, this high standard of how you want to live and just every day systematically move towards there. And that way, life becomes really, really fun. Uh, it becomes enjoyable. There's a ton of challenges and you actually start to look at challenges as a way to help you grow. So if you value growing, if you value evolution, you're going to look at problems and challenges and say, OK, good. That doesn't mean they feel good all the time. Right. But it means that you're going to look at them in such a way that most people don't because most people run from them. Most people don't want to have anything to do with problems or challenges. But we have to be the type of people that say, all right, where are the problems and challenges? Let me move towards those 
because by overcoming them, I'm going to become stronger. I'm going to become more. I'm going to be more fuller. I'm going to be able to give more. I'm going to be able to provide more for my family. I'm going to make more money. Those those entrepreneurs who can solve more problems, they make more money. <laughs> Elon Musk, you get paid in direct proportion to the to, to the difficulty of problem that you solve. So if you're solving little baby problems, don't expect to get a lot of money. So solve big problems. Solve it at a high level uh, or solve little problems for a lot of people. You know, uh, do things on a big scale. So anyway, that's those are some of the things that I found is very, very effective for me during transition times and then wiring myself in such a way that like no matter what happens, because life is a constant transition. We're always changing. Everything is always changing. So this idea that you're safe or like everything's okay right now, this sense, this false sense of security, that's that's an illusion. You're always evolving. So you might as well uh, change your mindset so that you can, whenever you do find those shifts, those those dramatic quote unquote shifts in life, where you go from this job to this job or a death in a family or relationship change or, you know, changes with your kids. I have five children. They're always changing, always changing. They're always going through different phases. Just when I think I got the game figured out, you know, something changes. So just to, to keep evolving, stay nimble and staying flexible is a key. Move forward. Just keep moving right. forward. Sometimes it's a lot easier to say than do, especially if you don't know where to go. I mean, you just said multiple six figures in the business now. I don't want to speak for you here, but I'm just thinking about a guy that goes from the highest of highs to the NFL, then missing out on the Super Bowl, having to go to be a firefighter. You could have easily said, man, I'm just settling 90% of the game most of the time, whether it's sports or life, whatever you want, fill in the blank. It's mental, but yet they very rarely work on the mental game. Right. And when they go from the highs in their life to the lows in their life, they don't know how to handle it. I want to ask you how you frame identity. You're big on identity and you're big on framing when it comes to identity and framing when it comes to failure. Talk to me about those two things. You alluded to the failure just a second ago, but how do you frame identity when it comes to your story and the message you want to send people? And it's so key because we talk about goals. You talk about visions, what you're really doing when you're setting a goal, right? If you have a goal that you want to accomplish is you're saying this is who I want to be or something I want to have. And the better you can frame that goal, like you said, frame it around this idea that it's not just a goal. It's not like a destination that I'm going towards. This is actually who I am because the strongest need that we have as human beings is to stay consistent with the idea of who we are. And it's, if you study psychology, we talk about the cognitive biases. One of the biases is the confirmation bias. So we have a need to confirm. So if we believe we are something, we'll go out in the world and we'll find things Right. I can't remember what book I learned this from, but the the subconscious mind is the prover, the thinker and the prover. Right. So the subconscious mind will go out and prove whatever it is that we think. So if we set instead of setting goals necessarily, I'm not you know, obviously it's all it's a lot of it's semantics. But when you set your goals, make this a part of your identity, like this is who you are. That to me is a much more profound way of going about accomplishing your goals. And what happens is when you set this high standard, you tend to notice what's in your way of getting to where you are. Um, and you move out a lot faster. And so I'm sorry, there's something else you asked me about. I wanted to get to that as well. Yeah, I was just framing identity and failure and how those two things work together. Goals and outcomes, you know, there's a difference there of what you're actually trying to go toward. But I think you are really good when it comes to the mindset part of framing identity and framing failure in a healthy way when most people look at it in a very negative way. Right, right, right. So this idea, we talked about identity. 
if this is who you are, if you have this vision or this picture of who it is that you want to become and you're doing something that's not getting you to where you want to go, there's no way that you can fail as long as you reevaluate where it is that you're going and you adjust because those quote unquote failures or those challenges or those obstacles or those problems or those chokeholds are just signals or for where you need to put your attention to so that you can move forward. So it's like, it's almost like you can't lose. So everything is designed in a way to help you grow. It's like Marcus Aurelius talked about the obstacle is the way. There's a great book by Ryan Holiday, we, all premised around that stoic philosophy. It's like, here's this challenge for you. Use it to help you evolve, to become who you are. And of course, all these quote unquote goals that we have set along the way, these are just benchmarks. And again, I, I use the word goals. I set goals. I set quarterly goals, yearly goals, et cetera. But to me, goals without vision, without an identity, if you will, um, are like, it's like a ladder that just leads to nowhere. You just fall over. It's like the, the goal is not the thing. It's to become this person. Um, and you're always going to be becoming, you're always going to be evolving. And that vision can expand even more. I did an interview with Jarek Robbins, uh, Tony Robbins' son. He talked about the, the vision being sort of like that North Star. It's like you never really get to the North Star, but it's always there guiding you in the direction that you want to go. So that's how I use my vision or identity, if you will. And of course, failures or obstacles or challenges, those are just opportunities for me to learn. Um, those are just opportunities for me to get better. Those are opportunities for me to expand. And getting better and expanding is painful sometimes. It's painful. And we should expect that. Anyone who wants to go to the gym, they want to expand or grow their body or you know trim down their body, lose fat. You're going to go through pain. You're going to be tired. Your heart's going to beat really hard. You're going to feel sore. Anyone who tries to get anything with, with, by, by avoiding that uh, is going to be trying a long time and is ultimately going against the laws of nature. And like Epictetus, one of the stoic philosophers, he said, make sure your goals are in alignment with nature. So if you're trying to achieve massive success without feeling any type of pain or feeling any sort of mental or physical pain or go through any hardships, you, like I said, you, you're probably not going get, to get much. So those failures and challenges, they're inevitable. Go towards them. Make yourself immune to pain by going towards it, frequently evaluating yourself, identifying what's wrong. There's nothing wrong with what's wrong. It's good. Things that are going wrong, those are good things. Look at it, evaluate it, create a new plan, keep pushing forward. And like I said, man, life is better that way. It's more fun. When we're giving ourselves this false illusion of comfort by running away from problems, no one's fooled and you're not fooled either. That's why those type of people usually feel really low levels, sometimes high levels of anxiety. Life is not really that satisfying when you when you live in that way. And, you know, so many people out there talk about pain, the pain or avoiding the pain. We are geared. Our brain and our body are geared to avoid the pain because we're wired to survive. So it's the fight or the flight many times or the freeze. And most of the time, our brain tells us to run away and avoid pain. But it's those times. And you know this. People who have done significant things in their life, who have really come back from the bottom, it's those painful times they point to as the greatest times of growth. If we were really smart, we would say running toward that pain is the absolute best thing I can do because of how it's going to shape me and grow me and change me. So I love the way you look at that in such a healthy way. Talk to me, man. I've got three little daughters of my own and life became really hectic and chaotic in a good way, right? I wouldn't give them up for anything. Talk about framing. You have to frame that and you have to adjust because you have to learn how to take that on, that extra stress. But tell me, you've got five kids. Talk to me about your routine with running full-time businesses, with family, with five kids. 
I mean, at some point, you're human, just like everybody, and you get into the stressful circus of life. But talk to me a little bit about how you use that as an adjustment point to keep moving forward, even in the chaotic circus and the stress that that brings sometimes. Absolutely, man. And like everything for me, it all starts with your philosophy, your mindset, your mental approach, if you will. And I remember I had my first son when I was 19. And a lot of people at that time were telling me, oh, man, you're you're probably not going to be able to do this and this now. Like, you know, you're probably going to have to give up football and all this thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's Now I have a a huge reason why I must make this happen. I have to now. So I've had that sense of urgency for a while now. It's funny. My little brother just had his first kid and he he hit me up. I remember he was saying, yo, man, I understand now why you've always been pretty driven, pretty motivated because uh, now he has his first kid. He understands there's like a sense of urgency that comes when you have children because now you have to make it happen. So anyway, I've been used to that. I have five children now and me and my wife actually homeschool as well. And we just started that this year. So we've homeschooled all five of our kids. We have 14, uh, 12-year-old, 9-year-old, 6-year-old, and 2-year-old. And here's the here's like the reality of it. We have so much more energy than we give ourselves credit for. That's number one, right? Like we have a lot more energy than we give ourselves credit for. And to me, when you, I like pressure, if you will, meaning I like the idea. I like the fact that I have five children and a wife who depend on me. I like that. It makes me rise. It, it makes, it gives me more energy. It makes me more alert. Uh, and part of the reality of this, especially with the homeschool now, is that I have virtually no time that can be wasted. So I don't like to call myself busy. That's not a good word for me to use. It doesn't produce a good feeling for me. Um, although I'm sure by most people's standards, I am quote unquote busy. Um, I have a very full life. I know very, very clearly exactly what I want in every single category in my life. It's very well mapped out, both visually and mentally. Um, and I have clear standards for how I'm going to achieve those outcomes in my life. And every single day I fall short in some area or another in living those standards, if you will. And so my job is pretty much just to frequently remind myself of how I want to live, um, remind myself of those standards and live those standards on a day-to-day basis and measure the areas where where I'm falling short and just repeat that process over and over. And so I get up at five in the morning uh, from about five to five to seven is my morning routine. That's what that's time for me. So if I don't get up that early, then my time is cut short. So I got to make sure that I get up five o'clock, five to seven is my time. Seven to eight is when I'm lifting weights. My kids wake up at eight. That's when we do our cardio together as a family. And then eight to about noon is when I'm homeschooling my children. That's when I'm I'm uh, leading, if you will. 12 to about six or seven is when I'm working. And during that period of time from 12 to about 3.30, my wife is with the kids and the kids are managing themselves as well. We're working a lot on that. We're teaching our kids to be lions in the jungle. So how to basically develop self-reliance, cook their own foods, like take care of themselves, lead themselves through their through their um, their curriculums, the, the parts that they can. And uh, it's been super fun, man. And so, of course, after six or seven is when I eat, eat dinner, hang out with my family. Um, just last night, me and my wife, we have date night on on Saturday. And then we also have two nights out of the week where we go. We call it like an offsite meeting where we go and we sort of that's more of a business meeting, if you will, running our and managing our household. So last night I didn't get to sleep to about midnight um, up at five this morning. And that's sort of that's my life, you know, and I repeat that probably five, six days out of the week. Sunday, uh, try to do as much resting as I can. But even then, I work a lot in the morning. Um, but anyway, it's, it's fun for me. 
Um, I have a ton of energy. I value energy. Um, so anything that robs my energy or steals my energy, I have to be ruthless about it. That includes people, circumstances, foods, habits. Um, anything that's robbing me of my energy is an enemy to me. Um, and so every day I'm fighting that fight, but it's a good fight and it's fun. And uh, since doing the homeschool, I feel like that was the big missing piece for me. I feel a level of fulfillment that I've never felt in my life ever. Um, and I'm someone who's always like I'm someone who's always like gone after my dreams and goals. But I felt I started to feel really, really weird. Uh, it was last year when I had my ki- my son's teacher conference. And I just realized, man, like these teachers really don't care nothing about my son. You know what I mean? And and I don't blame them because I, I know they got a lot of kids to look after. And I felt like, how am I outsourcing the most important thing, which is the education of my kids and building their values? I can't I can't afford to outs- or outsource that anymore. So I made the goal at the beginning of this year. My number one goal was to homeschool my kids. So everything I did this year was to prepare me for that. How I structured my business, you know, um, everything that I did was all revolved around that one goal. And that the fact that me and my wife have accomplished that and we have committed and that we're doing it is a huge, huge um, win for us. It's it's something that makes me very, very proud. Um, It gives me a lot of pride and uh, joy to say that, like, I'm raising my children like the school is not raising. I am raising my kids. And that's not to say anyone who sends their kids to school is not raising their kids. I'm not I'm not downing at all. But it's just that like. The way that my my life circumstances, what I wanted for my family, I realized the strategy, like Jeff Bezos says, be be stubborn, the owner of Amazon, be rigid on your outcome, but be flexible on your strategy. And so I know my outcome. I know what I want my kids to be. I know what I want them to value. I know how I want them to live. And the strategy of sending them to public school just was not, it, it didn't work for me. <laughs> and it wasn't accomplishing the outcome, let's say. And so I had to be flexible on that strategy. And I find that the strategy for us right now is working great. The kids love it. Um, and many times people ask me, how long are you going to be homeschooling? I'm like, listen, I don't know. But I'll tell you this. My kids aren't going back to public school. So <laughs> so um, I'm going uh, to be doing this as long as it's continuing to, to move my kids towards where it is that they want to go. The cool thing is, if you're doing any other job other than being an entrepreneur, it'd be incredibly difficult. Your brain probably wouldn't even be thinking in that mindset because you just wouldn't be able to do that. But now you've created a life for yourself where you can do that and raise your kids. I know one time I heard you say that one of your days in your schedule, you talked about Joe DeSenia, where you were going to try to do like a warrior's day where you get them up early. You let them eat like one time a day. You're doing push-ups in the garage, those sort of things. I thought that was an incredible idea. When I heard that, have you guys been implementing that? Yeah, that's so funny you said that. Yes, we have Spartan Day, and it's, that was inspired by Joe DeSena. Um, it, it's incredible. Like it was a was it last month or two months ago? So I think it might have been last month. But we try to do it every week. It hasn't quite happened like that. Uh, we've done about two or three a month. Um, but we had one where I took them to the river, and I actually made them all jump in the freezing cold river. It was like forty degrees outside. Um, including my two-year-old. So my my wife was so mad at me too. It was hilarious. But my wife did it. Um, but it was crazy because they were all like acting all big and tough and they started crying once we actually got to the river. They're like, no, we don't want to do it. But that's just an example of some things we do. We run hill sprints in the morning. Um, we eat like really, really basic, simple foods, all fresh foods. So they have like cucumbers and, al- and almonds for lunch. You know what I mean? Um, and of course, no TV, no iPads or anything like that for that day. And it's really just designed to 
to train them to be tough, man. Kids are soft nowadays. And I hate sounding like that old head who's, uh, you know, talks about how you know, growing up in my day, but it really is true, man. I, I mean, technology is amazing, but in a lot of ways it has softened us a lot. So with every, every, you know, positive, there's a negative as well. And that's one of the negatives. People tend to be heavily dependent on food, even with food, how easy food is to access. It's really easy for kids to start taking things for granted. Uh, my children would start complaining about being hungry. I'm like, you, you don't even know what hungry is. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not hungry. You're certainly not starving. So don't say that. Um, and you, you don't need, and it's crazy how much confidence they build when you put them through these challenges. Like even just, we work out each morning and the things that I'm having them do, like my daughter who's six years old, she's like doing pushups just consecutive in a row. And it gives her so much confidence. She like brags about it. She, she likes the fact that she's strong, that she can do all these cartwheels and flips and all these different types of things. And now my son is 12 and he's working out with me in the mornings, lifting weights with me. And it's just awesome, man. And like you said, it's things I wouldn't be able to do if I was, quote unquote, working at a regular job. Um, and, and again, I would say this because I was <laughs> working at a, quote unquote, regular job. And even just last year, I was, a, like I said, I was a firefighter. But one of the things that I would say, especially to people who look at, who you might look at something that someone is doing, right? Like it could be me, it could be you, it could be somebody else, it could be a celebrity that's living on this grand scale. And you might say, that's not possible for me, or I don't know how I'm going to do that. It's like, listen, your job right now is not necessarily to figure out how to do it just yet. Your job is to create a clear vision about what it is you're trying, to, how you're trying to live, create a clear picture of it. So if you don't know, if you're looking at somebody and said, I wish I could do that, but I can't do that because of this. And, and I ask you, well, what is it that you do want? And you don't know, then you deserve exactly what you're getting. You deserve that. If you don't know what you want, you deserve exactly what you're getting. So first start with what it is that you want. What, how do you want to live? And define that clearly. And I can guarantee you, it's not as clear as it could be. Every day I'm working to gain more clarity on what I want. Every day, every new book I read, every, you know, every day I evaluate myself, I'm saying, okay, I can add this to my vision. Even this is more clear now. So get really clear. Then you can create a strategy about how to get there and start moving towards it. But it's crazy when you give your subconscious that clear, clear picture of who you want to be, that identity, then your subconscious goes to work about how, making that happen. Because again, our strongest need is to remain consistent with who we think that we are. So if you think that you are that person working in that regular job right now, that's your identity, then okay, good luck. You, you'll be staying there probably for the rest of your life. And that's, that's unfortunately what most people do. But get a clear vision, like create a clear picture. It's, and it's so fun when you create a, a clear picture and then you actually start to create that life. It's a really, really exhilarating experience where you can look and say, wow, <laughs> like I'm actually living exactly the way that I designed my life to go. Uh, it's, it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. Not getting frustrated if some time has passed and you haven't gotten yet to that life you want to get to. Like you said, that's not your place yet. That's not your right. place to have it all figured out. I mean, life is a journey. We're never going to figure out how to avoid all the pain and just live on easy street. And deep down, we don't want that anyway. It's not going to help us grow. I've asked a couple of similar questions to this, but I really want to get at the heart of it before we wrap up this podcast here. We've talked about failure and how to frame that. We've talked about identity. We've talked about moving forward and not just sitting there. At the end of the day, you have a family to run. You have a business to run. You still have relationships you've got to take care of. And you've got a bunch of junk and naysayers and negative stuff, whatever, fill in the blank. How are you dealing or how have you learned how to deal with stress and overwhelm when those days do come 
how do you move yourself forward and continue to live that mission? And how have you learned how to do that with what works for you? So first, uh, well, I'll talk about strategically or tactically how I go about dealing with those emotions, which I do experience frequently. But first, I'm going to talk about the mindset or approach towards those emotions, uh, which I believe is the most important. And so when you talk about emotions, all emotions are signals. It's like your gaslight coming on the car. You don't get mad at your gaslight for coming on. It's a signal that you have not a lot of gas and you need to pull over and you need to get some gas. Now, if you interpreted that signal as you need to put the pedal to the metal and drive even faster, right, <laughs> um, as opposed to get on cruise control and find the nearest exit, um, you probably would be in a bad rut. And so for me, I, it's all about aligning my emotions with what it is that I want, right? And so if I'm feeling something that I, I don't like, it means that based on what I want, something's not going right. And so my job is to figure that out. And so I'm reading a great book by Ray Dalio called Principles, which I believe is easily the best book of the year. And uh, honestly, already in my top five books of all time. Uh, but one of the things he said, his number one habit, check this, Jared. He said his number one habit that has attributed to his success. Number one habit, he said, is when pain triggers reflection. So his biggest, his most important habit is when he feels pain, that's now a trigger for him to reflect. Now, what do most people do when they feel pain? Now, pain is that stress and overwhelm, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I got so much going on. Oh my gosh, this failure. Oh my gosh, this thing that is not going the way that I want. Most people, when they feel that pain, that's a trigger to go seek comfort. That's a trigger to get really angry and start railing against the way things are. That's a trigger to complain. For him, no, it's a trigger for him to reflect. So one of the best things that someone could do, and this is what I do, is I reflect. So if I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm going to sit my ass down at night and ask myself why. And I have a process, a very powerful process called the emotion playbook, which is designed to help me get to the core root. I do emotional autopsies where I break down as a series of questions that are strategically designed to get at the heart of what, what's at the bottom of these emotions, because it's always a pattern of beliefs. It's always a pattern of, of thoughts that you have and usually some root belief that's at the core of this negative emotion. So if I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, and I might feel like I got too much going on. I don't have any control. I'm out of control, right? Um, there's a lot of ways that I can feel, but my job is to look at that and say, okay, what's going on there? And, an, and another thing, and we talked about pain to reflect because the pain, by, by the way, he says pain plus reflection equals progress. So if you take the pain and you reflect on it, that's what equals progress. So now in, when I feel stressed or overwhelmed, I, don't, I can still feel stressed and overwhelmed. You have to allow yourself to feel that. But I don't have to feel like that's a bad thing. Does that make sense? And it's that's one of the like the biggest keys. It's like you can allow yourself to feel stressed, to feel mad, to feel angry, to feel disappointed, but to not have that mean that that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing inherently to feel a negative emotion. And that's why I struggle sometimes with even calling it negative because emotions are not bad. They're good. They're signals, right? When you get a cramp, when you get cancer, that's not even necessarily bad. That's a signal. It's like, yo, you got some built up toxins you need to get rid of. When you get a rash, when you get when you have pain in your body, that's not a bad thing. Pain is, is nature's way of telling us, hey, look over here. You need to do something. And so I reflect. Um, I allow myself to get angry. I allow myself to get upset. So in my household, the, the culture of our home, you'll you'll hear arguing. I urge my kids to argue. Now, obviously, there's boundaries and there's safe uh, fighting, quote unquote, or safe arguing. 
But you got to get the stuff out, man. If you don't get it out, I always equate it to like somebody who eats three times a day and never takes a dump. It's like, yo, you got to like the more times you take a dump. So we need to be taking emotional dumps several times a day. So now and it's what's funny is when you get good at doing that, a lot of these emotions that assail the, the average person, they don't they kind of wash over you throughout the day. Like you don't you don't hold on to them too long. You might feel a little signal of overwhelm. So, for example, for me, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's because I'm focusing on all the things that I haven't done yet. And I'm imagining them to be all so very important that they must be done right now. And I'm overwhelming myself. And that makes sense. But what happens when I focus on my goal? What's my end game? What happens when I focus on what my plan is to accomplish that goal? And what happens when I focus on just the thing that I can do right now to accomplish that goal? How likely is it, it is, is it that I'm going to continue to feel overwhelmed? It's not likely. I'm not going to feel overwhelmed. And that's my recipe, by the way. I just laid out for you my playbook. What happens when I get overwhelmed? That's what I do. I say, what is my goal? What are my goals, if you will? What are my weekly outcomes? What are my quarterly outcomes? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What is my game plan for accomplishing that? And chances are I've already written that out because I'm a very detailed planner and I have planning all the way from the yearly to the quarterly to the monthly to the weekly to the daily. So I've already laid out my plan. So if I'm getting overwhelmed, that means I've lost track of that plan. And then my, my idea is to say, okay, based on these outcomes, what's the most effective action that I can take right now in order to move me forward? Just to gain some momentum, maybe I'm stuck in some sort of way. Maybe I'm not really sure what to do. Even if I'm not sure what to do, I'll say, well, what am I sure that I could do? <laughs> what What is one thing that I'm sure I could do? A lot of people say, I don't know what to do. You know something that you can do, something to gain momentum. Focus on what you can do instead of what you can't do. And Napoleon Hill talks about Henry Ford. That was his main philosophy. He would never focus on what he couldn't do. It's only what, what can he do to move forward? And he said, by that, by doing that, you gain a certain type of momentum that when you get to that problem that you thought was so big, it actually dissolves. It's like it's not even that big of a problem anymore. Just because you were diligent and disciplined and you just took focused, consistent, daily micro actions towards your goals on a consistent basis. And again, that's a discipline that you must practice. So those are those are signals for me. Stress, overwhelm. Man, I, another thing that I do is I, I every single morning, man, you first of all, you got to make time for yourself. You have to ch- prove to yourself that you're important. If you're stressed and overwhelmed, you're probably not spending a lot of time on yourself. Spend time with yourself in the morning. Treat yourself well. Now, I don't I can't tell you what to do in the morning. I have things that I do, my exercise, my meditation, visualization, planning and things like that. My wife, when she gets up in the morning, she likes to do her nails. She likes to work on something creative. She likes to decorate. That's her thing, something to make her feel special, something to connect her with herself, to prove to her subconscious mind, yo, I really am important. And, and that helps a ton with stress and overwhelm. And it's funny, man, like if you even just begin to say stress and overwhelm, like especially overwhelm, overwhelm is not bad. Overwhelm is good. <laughs> overwhelm is good. Overwhelm is when you go to the gym and you lift so many reps that you can't lift another one. That's good. Now, sometimes overwhelm means to keep going. Sometimes it means to slow down. Sometimes it means to look at your plan. Sometimes it means to readjust your plan. But please, by all means, don't look at overwhelm in itself as if it's a bad thing. It's a signal for you and you get to determine how to use it. And so the rule for me is I choose emotions that are going to get me to where I want to go. It's not about positive or negative. It's not about being happy and being positive all the time. No, there is a time to be thoroughly pissed off with your current circumstance. There is a time 
to be mad, to be upset. There is a time to be dialed in, to be focused. There's a time to be motivated. There's a time to be relaxed. There's a time to be flexible and creative. There's a time to be relentless and tenacious. But it's not, I can't live my entire life in a state of tenacity and ah, right? What's that going to do for me in my relationship with my wife? And by the way, I used to do that, right? <laughs> I'll be all fired up. It's like, no, that's not what that, that's not what the situation is calling for right now. So what we need to develop as high performers is emotional flexibility. We need to be nimble. We need to have emotional flow. We need to have a wide range. We need to be like a rapper who's got a lot of flows. We need to be like Drake. He can sing. He can rap. We need to be like LeBron James. He can guard you down low. He can guard you up at the perimeter. He can shoot the three. He can come through and dunk on you. And that, those, that's the type of high performer that I'm trying to be. And so in order to do that, it starts with you not looking at these emotions like they're bad anymore. No, being stressed, being overwhelmed, that's good, man. Pressure is good for you. It's called pushing yourself. So stay awake, stay alert, plan. Look at each day as a separate thing. Like try to kill it each day. Right. But give the day some context as well. So have yourself some yearly goals. People who say, oh, just focus on the day. And no, that's true to a certain degree. You need to have some goals, though, because if you just focus on the day and you have a bad day, now your whole world is bad. But what if you have a vision? What if you have a goal that you're working towards? So now when you, if you have a quote unquote bad day, it's just one day. That's it. And then you can go back at it another day and you got your morning routine. Celebrate your wins at night. Notice what's going well for you. Do your best, especially those who are wired like us, who always want to grow, always want to achieve. That's it's a gift and a curse. Michael Jordan, when he was talking about Kobe Bryant, he said Kobe Bryant is just as cursed as I am. And what he meant is that Kobe is always hungry. He's never satisfied. So that's a gift and a curse. So you have to do your best for those of us who are wired in that way to always be hungry, to be so relentless so that even when you get a win, you want to get another one. You have to remind yourself of what's going well. Otherwise, that will turn into anxiety and you'll, you'll be crazy. And there's a lot of people who do that. There's a lot of high performers who end up murdering themselves or killing themselves, right? We don't want to be that guy. So we want to remind ourselves of what's going well. We want to remind ourselves of progress, of improvement. But we all also want to stay hungry because that is a gift. You want to stay hungry. You don't want to be too content. There is a time to be content, but it's not as much as what most people think, <laughs> Right? You must stay like a constant state of hunger, which is funny because hunger implies lack. Hunger implies lack. Hunger implies that like, yo, I, I'm hungry. I don't have anything to eat. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, if you can stay hungry, but you can also stay grateful for where you're at. You can stay. You can have a sense of gratitude. And I always say sometimes a lot of times people are doing gratitude all the way wrong. They're saying, oh, I'm grateful for what I have. I, no, no, that's not that's not what we mean. I, that's not what I mean. That's not how I interpret it. Being grateful to me, be grateful for the fact that you're alive in 2017 and that there's all this opportunity. And then to me, being grateful spurs a sense of urgency. I'm like, yo, I'm so grateful for being alive. I'm so grateful for what I can do. I got so many opportunities that I can take advantage of. So that makes me move faster, not relax, not say, oh, everything's going good. I'm just going to be grateful. So anyway, I know I said a lot there, but it all starts with how you look at emotions it's a signal for you. It's a signal. They're not bad or good. Try not to even say positive or negative emotions. Use the emotions as a signal to drive you forward and alert you to what's in your way right now. Nee Sobo, thank you so much for your time here today. I knew it was going to be powerful, and that's why I had to get you on. Thanks so much. 
Where can we steer more listeners your way? Find out more about you and the things you're doing and your continued success. Absolutely, man. So I have two podcasts designed for high performance athletes, high performers in general. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete or an entrepreneur or someone who's just looking to live life at a really high level. But obviously the emphasis is on having an extremely high standard and working towards that. So I have two podcasts. One is called the Sports Motivation Podcast. Another is called the Get Your Mind Right Podcast, which is more motivation, short, four to five minute reality based motivation. That's super, super cool. I get people hyped. Um, And the sports motivation is more long form, do some interviews, a lot of teaching, a lot of strategy on there. And then, of course, my website, I'm not you.com. And you can find the both the podcasts there on the website, as well as my coaching program. I have a 16 week coaching program that I'm starting December 18th, uh, designed for high performers called Killer Instinct. I'm teaching people the mindset, the habits and the systems that they need in order to consistently dominate under pressure. So if you're someone who looks and looking to perform at a high level, someone who has built in pressure in your life, you need to know how to dominate. Um, and that's what I teach in there. So I'm not you.com. I will link all of that up in show notes. That was awesome. Thanks so much again for your time. And we wish you the best as you continue to train people on their mindset and what's going to make them better. And there's not enough, in my opinion, that you can believe about mindset and hear about mindset. And we wish you the absolute best. Thanks so much for your time here today. Thanks so much for having me, man. This was fun. If you'd like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is to shoot an email to my team at info at success101podcast.com, or you can catch me in the world of social media on the Success 101 Podcast Facebook community page or on Instagram under the name at Success 101 Podcast. I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode. Until then. (music) 